This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Going to catch up with Mark Letestu in a minute or two here. He announced his retirement a couple of days ago. We'll also have Derek England on the show, who spent part of his formative years in Edmonton and Northern Alberta. He retired before Christmas. Uh, I'm sure he'll have some great memories of playing for the Vegas Golden Knights as they quickly became a very prominent NHL franchise. Canada wins 10-0 over Switzerland at the World Juniors. The United States gets a 7-0 victory over the Czech Republic. Austria and Russia will face off in about half an hour at Rogers Place. Raptors up 85-80 on the 76ers. That's with just over seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, Kevin has texted into the show. Kevin, thanks for listening tonight. He goes, I think I'll just sit by the fire and drink some draft. I may have 11 rounds, 12 rounds, or five rounds. I don't know yet. That is from Kevin. Kevin, well, I hope you got this week off. <laughs> That's if, if you're working tomorrow, I might recommend fewer rounds. But those are Kevin's choices, 11, 12, or 5. Interesting number distribution, Kevin. But thanks a lot for checking out the show. 780-496-0063 is how you call or text. All right. Well, I am pleased to uh, welcome back to the show a guy we now introduce as a former NHL player. He just retired it is the pride of Elk Point, Alberta, Mark Latestu. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying uh, uh, what remains of a white Christmas. It's now green, but it was white for Christmas. So we uh, we enjoyed it, had fun, and uh, yeah, it was great. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you and I have done a few of these over the years. Uh, obviously, we, we've talked a few times about, uh, well, I guess it's been... I want to say probably 19 hockey seasons since we first started doing interviews, either in the hallway in uh, the St. Paul arena or the Lloydminster civic center. I mean, what if I, what if I would have told a 15, 16 year old Mark Latestu playing junior B, uh, Hey buddy, you're going to approach uh, 600 NHL games in about, uh, in about 20 years. What would have a teenage Mark Latestu thought of that? I'd have been pretty excited. I think I would have taken that, uh, that's not that's not generally the the route to the NHL. I'm not sure how many guys have done it since or prior to me. Uh, but yeah, I, I would have taken that. You'd have given me that. I'd uh, I'd pick you on as my agent that day. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's interesting because there are there are a lot of different paths to the NHL. Yours is pretty unique and I think pretty special. And you know, when two guys you got to play with. Crosby and McDavid were 16. They were already being touted as, okay, these guys are going to be awesome. They're going to be among the greats all time. Um, and I don't know if 16, like when you were 16, were you just hoping to make St. Paul or were you already <laughs> established, so to speak? <laughs> no, I, I kind of knew I was going to make St. Paul. My boss at the AA Sports was the coach. I hadn't in there, so I knew I was going to make that team. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, I'm hoping to play junior A hockey. Uh and those guys at 16, they, they obviously deserved all the, the press and the accolades. You know, they're, 
pretty elite talents. And I think you can see that now, uh, you know, every bit of media coverage or, or accolade thrown their way was deserved. Uh, they've made our game better uh, to watch um, every time they take the ice. Uh, great ambassadors for the game. Uh, but yeah, at 16 for me, I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm still in the 11th grade, you know, trying to get through pure math 20. So uh, it would have been a long, uh, a long view to think about anything like an NHL career. Well, I mean, it eventually uh, rolled for you. And obviously you got to play with, with Crosby McDavid, like you said, and and your reference to what great players they are and great ambassadors. Uh, I I know you were an oiler longer than you were a penguin. How, How would you compare or contrast McDavid and Crosby? Well, and I got them at two kind of unique times. Uh, by the time I got to Pittsburgh, you know, I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm older than Sid, but uh, when it comes to hockey and the respect and the pecking order, I mean, he might have already won a heart by then. He'd won a Stanley Cup, and he'd been in the league for a while, uh, probably four or five years by then. So, even though I'm older, he's got the the clout and the you know, if he needed me to pick up his skates, I would, you know, or the pucks or anything need to be happening. Uh, so that, that, and it was good for me as a player to come into the league to, to have an example. Uh, and I'm not necessarily always looking at Sid to be the example, but that team was full of them. Uh, and now, you know, I've kind of retired and had a little bit of, uh, looking back on who I had a chance to play with that team was full of, you know, Bill Garens and Pascal Dupuis and, you know, just older guys that did things the right way, treated people with respect. Uh, treated me as a young guy with respect. Uh, but back to Sid, it was just good to see what elite looked like. Uh, you know, you, you get to the NHL, you're pretty pretty fond of getting there. Uh, you think you've made it, you know, 10 games in, you're an NHL player, but then you realize there's levels to it. Uh, Sid's so much better than you are, and there's such a gap that you got to continue to work. Uh, so he, he was a perfect uh, player to to have around to see what somebody two years younger than you could accomplish with, with work ethic and talent. And, uh, and then, you know, transitioning to Connor, I, I got him his first three years in the league uh, where he may have been looking for, for guidance or, you know, you got all this talent and you're in the NHL in a new city living by yourself, you're probably looking for the older guys to, to give some sort of guidance, some sort of help. So, uh, whether he took some, uh, a little or a lot from, from me or some of the older guys, it was just good to see uh, a young guy like that adjust to the league and, and figure out uh, how awesome he could be. You know, I think I still remember him scoring his first goal in Dallas. Uh, and then from there, it was just, he didn't miss, you know, and he still doesn't miss. So it's good to see him still evolving as a player and finding out truly how special he can be. Well, let, let's focus on your, on your time in Edmonton because that's, uh, I think, where most of my audience is really going to have uh, a connection with you. And you mentioned that first year, Connor was a rookie. He missed about half the season with an injury. Um, you guys still had a lot of tough nights. I, I remember uh, actually texting you after, I, th- I think you guys lost a game pretty bad. And I kind of just said, How is it, how's it going? And I think you said something like, look, we, I knew it wasn't going to happen overnight. But but then the next season, you guys took off and finished eighth overall and almost beat Anaheim in that. Uh, wh- how do you look back at those two years with the Oilers? The first year that was still a tough one, the final year of 10 out of the playoffs, and then you broke the slump the next season. What kind of turned it around, do you think? Yeah, I think the first year... 
uh, you're always optimistic. You're always gonna, you're always gonna want to do your best personally and as a team. But you know, the team been struggling for a while, uh, and all of a sudden you, you draft uh, a generational player. But I think to to put everything on an 18 year old and decide you're gonna finish in you know the top eight and be in the playoffs, uh, it, it's still a process. You still have to find a way that that everybody fits and find a spark that clearly the team had been missing. Uh, you know, but for me, that year was still kind of special that playing in that building, uh, getting to close it, the ceremony with all the legends around, uh, you know, that's the building that, you know, dad would take me up to exhibition games to watch, you know, when, when I was a kid. So my, my only, uh, experience with the national hockey league was through that building. Uh, so to play there and be in the same room as some of the guys that had come before me, uh, was really special just being a kid from Alberta. Uh, and then to open a new building, uh, which, again, uh, kind of a gem in the middle of downtown, uh, this big spectacle that kind of puts Edmonton on par with some of the, the great arenas in, in North America, again, was, was just something cool to be a part of to open that building. Uh, and whether just turning the page and being in a new building, uh, getting a couple new players, Connor's a year older, uh, you know, Leon's now part of the team full time. Uh, it was just, it was just seemed like it was a progression. It seemed like it had to go that way. Uh, and Cam, I mean, Cam was great. I think he's, you know, you get the franchise record for wins that year. A lot of things came together and sometimes you need that to, for something to happen. And it, it just happened to be a, a good year for for the bunch. You had a really good playoff. You had a four-point game. And then, uh, you know, obviously you couldn't quite beat Anaheim in game seven. But the game that's most talked about still is is game five. Are, are you still mad that that wasn't goalie interference? No, uh, I get on the one that tied it? <laughs> I get over things. I uh, it, It's it's unfortunate. Uh, the call didn't go away. A couple of them. Uh, would it have changed things? I don't know. You never really know. It played out the way it played out. And I, uh, like I said, I forget about things pretty quick. Uh, but yeah, would have been nice to have given Nashville a shot. Uh, but they, they handled us pretty well all year. Uh, I don't know how we would have done in a series against them, but it would have been nice to have had that shot, but uh, just wasn't meant to be that year. Mark Letestu joining us on Inside Sports announced his retirement on the weekend. Okay, so how, how do you feel? You're, you're retired. Um, I mean, every athlete knows it's coming someday. How has it actually hit you? How did the decision come to place for you? Well, I mean, in, in the last little bit here, I've, I've had a lot of time at home. Uh, so I've basically been home since last November uh, with, with myocarditis. So I got a chance to kind of reintegrate myself back in, into family life. And uh, <laughs> a lot of things add up. You know, you, you start getting around the family and, she doesn't want to kick you out because you're not bugging her too much. So you're, you're welcome. So that's part of it. Uh, and I hadn't scored a goal in the NHL since I think 2018. Uh, so at, at some point you, you start to realize kind of what, what you are. And, and I would have just been, you know, a minor league guy that, you know, as an older guy, maybe to help some prospects along and, and that would have been fine, but uh, you're going to end up, you know, if it doesn't work out that it's in Cleveland, it's probably going to be further away from home. So you're away from your family. Uh, and when the trajectory of your career is clearly going down, 
uh, sometimes it's you got to make a tough decision to to maybe hang them up and transition to a career or maybe you can change a trajectory uh, whether you get back into hockey in some other capacity uh, maybe you can start on the upward trend again working towards something uh, so that kind of was what the decision had come down to not so much that I just want to kick my feet up and stay home and, and you know coach kids hockey which which I like but uh, at this point, if I could trade, you know, a jersey for a tracksuit or be a part of uh, a team somewhere, uh, I would very much welcome that. Any interest in broadcasting? You've always been very well spoken, and you explain concepts very well. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be fun uh, to do to all that kind of stuff. But I might uh, I might be more of a radio guy. The hairline's not uh, quite cut out for TV. Yeah, well, I know how you, I know how you feel there for sure. <laughs> stay staying in Ohio though for for the meantime, or maybe long term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been we've been nomadic. Uh, you know, I think we, we look back on we've lived in fourteen houses. You know, as a family, it, it's some you know combination of family. Uh, so it's nice to have, you know we've lived in this house now for three years, and that's the longest we've ever been in one spot. So I uh, I'm not bringing up moving to her for a little while. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I can't, you know, I, I certainly can, uh, can find work. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we've done the long distance thing before, so uh, you know if I need to go somewhere uh, to to still be a part of things, that's, that's something we've uh, we've talked about. All right, and, and look, I mentioned Oilers fans uh, really embraced you. You know, I think they appreciated how you, how you jumped in and, and helped the power play, and and uh, and you did a lot of the unsung things that helped uh, over the years. Uh, my buddy, uh, he goes by the name Bagged Milk. He's with Oilers Nation. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. He, he started a chant of your name on at a, at a pub one night after you scored, and that was making the rounds on social media. So you hear stuff like that. And uh, what would your message be to oil country right now, given that you played here, you grew up in Alberta, and you know you played with a lot of the guys on this team who are hoping to... To, to make it a great team. No, that's, that's a tough one because uh, when you talk about oil country, it's not necessarily just Oilers fans. You know, I, I grew up in it. Uh, so uh, I think that, that probably my, my favorite moments is kind of being a part of it and, uh, you know, recognizing, you know, what the team means to, to the people of that area. You know, like I still, you know, just the last couple of days, I'm getting text messages mostly coming from the Elk Point St. Paul area and just telling them what the, not necessarily, you know, my career, but, you know, what the Oilers means to them. So I, I, I just hope that they get their team back sooner than later. You know, I'm sure they want to, they want to watch them. You know, it's already, you know, it's almost January. You know, they should have been on the ice since October. So I, I know they're starved for it, but I, I appreciate every damn second I got to play uh, for that team. Uh, it was really special for me to be back uh, back there and in the playoffs. Uh, it's still, you know, it meant a lot to be there. And, and funny enough, uh, you know, kind of to come full circle, AJ Chell, uh, you know, Brett Kissel used to sing the games, the Bonneville Pontiacs games, and, you know, call it 
10, 15 years later, he's, he's singing games at, you know, playoff games in Edmonton. So it's, it's very, uh, it's funny how small it seems and how connected everybody in that area is to that team. But that was just one moment where the light bulb kind of goes off and, you know, how, uh, how the, the game in that area has kind of embraced each other. Yeah. Well, Mark, congratulations on a, on a great playing career. I know your hockey career is uh, going to continue in some capacity, so I look forward to seeing what comes uh, next. Uh, it's been great for, for me to have known you this long and still be talking to you after all these years, and uh, you've been obviously very generous with your time coming on this show, and I'm not going to leave you alone now that you're retired. You're, you're still going to be on Inside Sports a couple times a year. I appreciate that. We can even talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> was Mark Latestu wishing him all the best. I'm sure he's going to get involved with player development with an NHL organization in the near future. His family will stay based in the Columbus area, but uh, as he said, he'll, he'll be willing to move around a little bit if it involves working for an NHL team. And, you know, he referenced it. He kind of saw the end of the line coming. He did have myocarditis, that heart issue that kept him out of almost all of last season. And he was around home a little more and started thinking like, okay, maybe this can work. But we wish uh, we wish Mark all the best. I mean, still only 35 years of age. When you look at old for a hockey player, certainly not old in the grand scheme of life. I think he's going to be pretty successful, though, and uh, respected whatever he does. I, I did have a couple of people I saw – uh, reply to a, a tweet I put out about Mark yesterday saying that he'd, he'd be great in broadcasting. I, I agree. I, I, th- I think he would as well. He's he's very well spoken. He's honest and he's able to explain concepts and, and talk about what's happening on the ice in a way that that people can understand. It's certainly those of you that listen to Rob Brown on the station know that he is like that as well. And I, and I think that's something Mark could do if he chooses, but he'll probably stay involved more on the hockey operation side of things. It seems like anyway, we'll see. Reed Wilkins uh, with you, continuing to broadcast from home. Cody Jansen is the studio operator tonight back at the 630 Shed Broadcasting Compound. So Canada wins 10 nothing, Cody. And uh, Kirby Doc from Fort Saskatchewan who, uh, of course, is going to be out four to five months after hurting his wrist. Now, he did a, a, an intermission interview with TSN, which I couldn't watch, being I'm hosting the show while he was on. But you found a very interesting quote from that doc interview. Well, I thought this was a little bit crazy. He said that he thought the sound of his injury was his stick breaking. Turns out it was his wrist. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I, I mean, I was watching the, the play, and you could, I mean, usually you, you can kind of tell by a player's reaction. I shouldn't say usually, but there, there are times you can certainly tell. And he dropped his glove right away and then went off holding his, his hand and wrist and arm in the air. So you knew something was wrong. That is, uh, that is, that is terrible. I think it was, I want to say Vinny Testaverde. I think I have that, the former NFL quarterback. I'm, I'm pretty sure this was him. He tore his Achilles. You're, you're, you'd be old enough to remember him, at least at the tail end of his career, I, I would think, playing for the, the Jets, and then I think he went to the Cowboys. I believe it was when he was with the Jets. He handed off the ball and then sort of took a t- couple, couple of steps back from the play, and I remember reading an interview that he heard his Achilles tendon snap. Like he heard this noise 
and he thought something had happened behind him and he turned around and started to pivot to step to look and then he's <laughs> oh there's nobody there oh i i can't support my body weight because <laughs> i should be laughing at this it's kind of it's kind of gruesome but yeah the, the the sounds of pain i guess you would you'd file that under hopefully doc well i mean he got surgery he'll he'll be back but this this is a tough loss for him for sure okay we got to take a break we got to take take a break. We had Mark Letestu on, another guy who just recently retired with a lot of ties to Northern Alberta. What was it like to be a Vegas Golden Knight as they went all the way to the Stanley Cup final in their first season? Derek England is going to check in when we get back. In 6:30 chat. Switzerland at the World Juniors. We were talking about Kirby Dock before the break, the captain of the Team Canada who got injured in the uh, tune-up game back on the 23rd against Russia. And uh, Cody Jansen, who's back at the studio, read a, uh, a quote that Dock did in an, in, from an interview Dock did tonight saying that he thought the sound of his wrist breaking was his stick breaking when it happened in the moment, and then he realized something is wrong. Now, I am going to warn you. And maybe some of you have already seen this. If you haven't, though, I am not telling you to look at it. If you do so, you are doing so under your own free will. I'm just telling you that such an image exists, as as Cody made me aware of a few minutes ago while we were uh, getting ready for this next segment, listening to the news. If, if you go on Twitter and put in Doc Wrist, D-A-C-H Wrist, a photo will come up of his wrist in its broken state. It is not a natural looking arm, hand, wrist alignment. You may find it uncomfortable to look at. If so, I'll actually recommend you don't look at it. If you can stomach those kinds of things and are curious, then make your own choice from there. I I know there are a lot of sports injuries, videos of sports injuries out there from present day and from the past that, are, are difficult. Some people are able to watch them. Some people even take an odd form of glee in watching them. And uh, some people just become nauseous. So don't, uh, you know, if you're one of the people who becomes nauseous, don't look. Donovan writes in, he wants to talk about crazy injuries. He says in high school playing rugby, I tore my hamstring off the bone. I thought it was just a bad sprain until I tried to take a couple steps forward and did the splits, had nothing to support me. My goodness, Donovan. Well, thank you for sharing. That sounds unpleasant. I hope you're okay. I hope you're recovered and your rugby and or athletic career resumed. Donovan, a lot of times I can, sort of like Sherlock Holmes, I can make deductions about people from their text message, and I'm guessing you're still a relatively young, highly athletic young man who recovered fine from that injury. And I, Donovan, I you may even still be a, still be approaching your physical peak. So that that's really good. Do we have Derek? Right on. We have Derek England, former NHL defenseman, checking in on Inside Sports tonight. Derek, thanks a lot for calling. My name is Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How about yourself? 
I'm I'm doing well. I'm I'm just thinking like what what an awkward introduction for Derek to Inside Sports. Me reading a text about a guy tearing the asterisk off his bone. We don't always talk about horrific injuries, Derek. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's all good. It's uh, you know, I didn't catch the whole thing, but. Uh... Just, uh, it's all good. Yeah, right on. Well, thanks for coming on the show tonight, and and congratulations on, on a great NHL career. Kind of retired player hour on the show. We just had Mark Letestu on in the last half oh, hour, man. who talked about his decision to to hang him up. Uh, what led you there to the finality of finally calling yourself a retired player? Um, well, I think a lot of things, um, first off, you know, I'm getting up there. I'm 38 now, going to be 39 in April. Um, but I think a lot of perspective was made, uh, in March when we locked down and, um, got to stay at home, be completely locked down in your house. Basically you're working out of your garage. You might see a few people, but you're right on your family and, um, I've seen all the things that you miss out on and um, with the kids. My kids are uh, eight and four, so, um, you know, it's a perfect perfect age right now for me to be at home and with them and around them all the time without the travel and all that. And, um, you know, you go on, on the flip side, you get locked in a bubble for almost 60 days and it's complete opposite. And, um, you know, you're locked down thinking like, uh, you know, I... I I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be away from the family, kids. There's so many amazing things you've missed out on that, uh, you know, you, you want to be a part of. And after that, you get back here and it's still kind of locked down and um, spending that time with them. And, you know, I think um, the final decision came to, you know, did we want to sign somewhere else and move or um, get an offer from the team to work for the team. And, um, you know, I think... For me and my family both, it was uh, a great opportunity to to retire now with all the uh, uncertainty with this year um, and go right into a job with the team. It was uh, kind of a no-brainer for me. Yeah. Well, good for you for making that decision. You're going to be an interesting uh, trivia question because you played your first pro hockey game in Vegas with the Wranglers uh, back in 2004, and then you played your final pro hockey game as a member of the Golden Knights, of course, in, in 2020. Tell me about... I'm going to take you back to a very specific time with the Golden Knights. There was the very tragic mass shooting in Vegas, uh, you know, right around the start of the season. You went to center ice and and gave a pretty emotional speech before a game. Uh, You know, how what was it like? Because, you know, usually that would be a time where the attention would be on, hey, we got a new hockey team, let's get ready to go. But, of course, it wasn't, and, and nor should have, should have should it have been at that time. But what was it like being an athlete in a city that, that had faced such a tragedy at that time? Yeah, it was tough. Um, you know, having lived here for so long, we knew a lot of people that were down there and uh, affected by it. And um, you've seen how the entire city and – country and Canada like there's lots of people down from Canada that I know of hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today 
your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, you know, all over the world here, and um, to have something like that happen, um, it's unimaginable. And um, like you said, you're you're going into a home opener for an expansion team, and it's supposed to be this big show and amazing time and um you know october 1st hits and and uh you know it's hats off to the organization for the amazing job they did in i think they had nine days to go from your home opener to honoring people and remembering people and and all that that happened on october 1st and they did an outstanding job with that and um just to be able to get up there and you know the team coming to me about doing a speech when you know, playing hockey in front of 18,000 people is, is normal, but uh, getting out there and having a mic in your hand and talking in front of that many people, it's pretty nerve-wracking. And um, on top of that, you have all the nerves from the first home opening game. And so it was a, it was a pretty nervous time for me, but uh, it was an honor to be up there and, and being able to affect that many people with, uh, with the speech. Yeah, well, I, I you know I went back and watched that, and and you did a great job, and that was so emotional. And then the hockey season got rolling, and the Golden Knights, uh, you know, won their first couple games, and and you guys just kind of kept going all the way to the Stanley Cup final until finally the, the, the capital stopped you guys. Derek, I've interviewed enough athletes and coaches in my career that I know. You know, the guys at the top level like you competed at are a confident bunch and you always believe you can win any game or accomplish anything you, you put your mind to and work towards. At the same time, I know that pro athletes, you know, know the sport that they're in and they know the history of the sport that they're in. And NHL players know that expansion teams aren't supposed to be very good. So so were, were yeah. you guys ever like... How like I know you had a lot of good players, but were, did you ever have those moments where it's like, how the heck are we doing this? What was it like being a Golden Knight and winning so much that first year? Yeah, I was, um, you know, especially coming in uh, in the summer, getting in the expansion draft, and you know, you you know what their plans are. As an older guy, you're, you're expecting to come in, and most of us probably were expecting to get traded. You know, come deadline time, and um. You know, there's a couple times during the season, the father's trip once, we went uh, into Nashville with, uh, and played, Subban played, and we won, I believe, in a shootout with the father's trip. And the next night we played in Dallas with Maxine Legacy and Nets, and we won that game. And, you know, I think in that, I think that was in November um, or end of November or something. Um, you kind of started thinking, you know, those are two really good teams, and, you know, we're, we're still winning. We've got a great record. And then you go into Christmas break, and I think we played uh, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Tampa Bay all at home right before and after Christmas. And um, we beat all three of them. So it's like, holy shit. Uh, you know, those are, the, those are the powerhouses out in the East, and we just won all three games. And, um, you know, you start believing in the team, and everyone's having so much fun as a team. And, you know how it is. Everyone's having fun. Everyone's uh, loving going to the rink, and everyone's going to battle for one another. And you know, all everything just aligned, and and guys were going out there competing for one another. You know, you'd play someone's ex team, and you wanted to give that extra so they could, you know, stick it to the team for leaving them unprotected type thing. So 
um, you know, we just rolled and I, it was a lot of fun. It was uh, so many good memories from that year. Yeah, well, and I mean, I shouldn't act like that's the only year, the good year the Golden Knights had, have had, because obviously, you know, playoffs every year and, uh, you know, another West final appearance. So obviously an incredible franchise through through three seasons for sure. Derek England joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Let, let's go back because uh, obviously you got some roots here in Edmonton and, and you'll have to correct me here, but I, I believe you moved around uh, northern Alberta uh, a little bit as well when you were a kid. So just tell us about going through your, your minor hockey here um, in Alberta and, and how that shaped you. Yeah, for sure. Um, up until I think my last year before we moved to Chetwin was grade, after grade six. So basically before grade six, I was all over the place. I lived in, uh, Leduc, Marathorpe, San Gudo, Whitecourt, Thorsby. Um, I think there was a year in McKenzie and BC in there. Um, so my dad, you know, he, he was uh, getting his mill rights certificate and everything, and we moved around a lot and um, all around, you know, the Edmonton area. And, uh, you know, it was great. We we spent the last, uh, you know, grade three, four, five, and six in Marathorpe. Um, so you kind of got a little bit of roots there and um, played some great hockey in that uh, northern Alberta area uh, i was fortunate enough to play on uh, the northern alberta all-stars um for uh, for a year in the summer um leaving adams um so that was a lot of fun and um after grade six we moved up to chetland bc and my you know my family's been up there ever since but uh you know still got family and friends in in the edmonton area and uh you know i love going back there all the time well, I love those towns you you're listed off there, Derek, and, and you're going to like this. I grew up in Evansburg. <laughs> oh yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, <That's far. laughs> yeah, that's, not that's too awesome. Yeah, right around Marathorpe, uh, San Gudo, and some yeah. of those uh, some of those places. So that's so that's that's pretty cool. Good roots for sure. Um, yeah. So when you when you were a little guy, uh, what teams or athletes did you look up to? Do you remember? Oh well. Grew up in the 80s, so, you know, the Oilers <laughs> at that time uh, had everyone that you wanted to look up to. So um, you didn't have to look very far. Um, you know, Gretzky, Coffee, all those guys, Kevin Lowe, yeah, you could name the entire team. Um, you look up to all of them. Um, so uh, it was good to, good to live in the area at that time. Yeah. In terms of your, your path to the NHL, I mean, you played for Moose John. I referenced uh, you first became a pro with the, the Vegas Wranglers in the ECHL, and uh, you, you kind of had to grind it out uh, a little bit before you became an NHL regular. Did you ever, did, did you ever doubt yourself? Did, or did you, or, you know, did you just think it was going to click someday? I'm just curious, uh, you know, what you go through, because sometimes it's not easy for an athlete if they feel like, they're good enough to be there, but maybe they're not getting an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think for me, I, I definitely wasn't ready when I was 21, 22, 23. Um, you know, you're battling East coast to AHL and had to improve a lot and, um, you know, change how I trained and, and, uh, took care of myself as in, you know, diet and stuff like that. And I think, um, <clears throat> You know, as I hit 24, 25, it was starting to dial in. And then, uh, you know, I got that first call up um, in 09, and it really showed me, you know, holy, I got a long ways to go yet. 
um, to train the right way, take care of myself the right way. And, uh, you know, getting that nine games in and then getting sent down, not getting called up again. Um, you go into that summer and be like, you know, if this is, if this is going to happen, it's going to be this year. And, um, you know, my wife worked extra so I could, uh, come back here, just train. Um, I went and got a trainer for the first time and really dialed it in. And, um, you know, that, that summer I went into camp, uh, best shape of my life and, um, and made the team. So, um, you know, it, uh, it took a while for me to get dialed in, but, um, you know, it, it's been a great run and learned a lot in those seven years of the minors that, uh, you know, take with me now. Derek England joining us tonight on Inside Sports recently announced his uh, retirement. Derek's just uh, taken you through parts of his career, 671 games in the NHL, including three seasons with the Calgary Flames. So I got to ask you about being on uh, the other side of the Battle of Alberta. I remember, uh, I can remember you going toe to toe with Luch. Uh, you know, there was always some spirited games and certainly in 16, 17, when the Oilers finally, um, you know, got a good team and you guys were in the playoffs as well. There were some good games that year. What, what, what do you remember about, uh, and I, I, you referenced growing up in the eighties, so it wasn't maybe quite as wild <laughs> as it was the ones we watched as a kid, but tell me about being in the battle of Alberta. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, uh, you, you know, like you said, it's probably not as crazy as uh, you grew up watching, but it was still heated. It was uh, there was a lot on the line. Even uh, it doesn't matter if your both teams are out of the playoffs or not. Um, there's a lot of pride um, going to every single one of those games, even if it's exhibition, out of playoffs, in playoffs, doesn't matter. Um, it's a lot of fun too, especially being a guy that uh, likes to fight, and and that's. That kind of thing, you know. You mentioned Luch and had a you know a couple with Gadzig that uh, a couple good fights. So um, it didn't let me down. That's for sure. It was it was a lot of fun, a lot of passion, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, energy in those games. And uh, you know, it was uh, like I said, it was just a lot of fun to be part of that. And uh, you know, going from watching it growing up to being part of it and playing in them, it was uh, you know it was a dream come true when you're look back to those days. Derek, I, I, I hope we could do this again someday because I'm really enjoying talking to you and, and hearing your perspective on things. Uh, so thanks for being so generous with your time. I just want to throw you one more. Yeah. Um, no you played defense. We have seen, and, and I've asked a few guys this over the last uh, you know few weeks in this year, because we've seen McCarr and Hughes and uh, you know Haskin and, and what Hedman's doing in Tampa. I know he's a couple of years, a few years older than those other guys, but is it like the, the skill from the back end? Like I know we got McDavid and Drysaitel and those guys, but it seems to me the position of defenseman maybe is is transforming a little bit. I mean, you're out there on the ice. What, what do you see from some of these younger high, high picks coming into the league? Yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun to watch them. Um, you know, the things, uh, the way they skate is, well, you see it, see it every day with McDavid and Dryside, all the way those guys skate, but it's D-man now. Like, uh, you know, back in the day, it's coffee and there's not anyone else like it. And, now it seems like every every team has one or two of them that can skate like that, and um, it's it's fun to watch. But it's uh, you know I think it's more about um, you know I think the game's molding more away from uh, 
you know, as physical, you know, as a, when I started out, it's like uh, as a D-man, you're going in for the hit and knock the guy down to get the puck. And now these guys are, they're so good with their sticks that they don't have to waste their energy and, uh, you know, playing physical. They just, their sticks always in the right position. They're picking passes off They're and they're going they're, They They have their energy to get up ice and, um, it's, it's fun to watch and it's, uh, you know, the game's obviously changing, like you said, and, um, you know, that's a big part of it, I think. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Derek, I tell you what, I, I really appreciate you checking in tonight. This was a blast to talk to you. I hope we can catch up again and uh, just get some more stories and, and perspectives because I got a lot of notes. You're still on my list. I, I didn't get to, but congratulations oh, yeah. on a great career and uh, good for you for, for making this decision and uh, all the best uh, in your new adventure here. No, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, anytime I, I grew up listening to you guys, so uh, the radio station. So anytime you guys want, let me know. That is awesome stuff. That is Derek England checking in tonight, former NHL uh, defenseman who retired just before Christmas. And uh, thanks to the Golden Knights for hooking us up for that interview. So, yeah, I mean, Derek, uh, he, he talked about it. He was he did not um, become a full-time NHLer until the 10-11 season. And he's born in 1982. So he's like 27, 28 before he really becomes a full-time NHLer. So a guy who put in his time and um, had to figure out how to do it and got to play on some pretty uh, interesting teams. He was a Pittsburgh Penguin, Calgary Flame, and then he goes to Vegas. And, of course, we were talking about how, uh, how incredible Vegas was as they've jumped into the NHL. Yeah, and you heard some of the towns. What do you say, Leduc, Whitecourt, Sangudo, Marathorpe? All the small towns we <laughs> we like to talk about. Derek England lived in many of those over the years. Okay, 7.53. As, uh, Cody, are we just going to stick with it here for a couple more minutes? Is that the plan? Sounds good. So I can let you know the Raptors have fallen 193 to the Philadelphia 76ers. They were tied going into the fourth quarter. The 76ers get it done to improve to 3-1. and one. The Raptors are now 0-3 on the season. Uh, Siakam with 20, Ananobi with 20, and Kyle Lowry had 24 for the Raptors as they still uh, are looking for their first win of the season. Embiid with 29 for the 76ers. Harris chipped in with 26. Canada wins 10-0. 10 nothing for Canada at the World Juniors. That was over Switzerland. Their next game at Rogers Place is at 4 o'clock New Year's Eve against Finland. Uh, earlier, the United States over the Czech Republic, 7-zip. And Russia already leading Austria 2 nothing. That game is not even halfway through the first period. So uh, Russia likely to win that one. Tomorrow, Finland, Slovakia, Switzerland, and Germany, Russia, and Sweden. Tomorrow on Inside Sports, scheduled to be joined by double-E quarterback Trevor Harris. And the double-E announced a, a bunch of re-signings and extensions uh, in, in, the day, in the last few days here, including David Beard. The U of A grad who plays on the offensive line, Kwaku Boateng, the uh, outstanding Canadian defensive lineman. And Trevor Harris, his contract has been restructured, and he actually approached the team about that. So we'll, we'll get that story from Trevor Harris and see what he's up to. And hopefully, I think it's looking good for the CFL to be back on the field in 2021. Okay, besides Derek England, you heard from Mark Letestu and Slater Cuckoo. Some comments from Dave Tippett as well. Get that full story on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Dave Campbell, who's enjoying a week off, is the producer of Inside Sports. Brendan Escott helped out with some producing duties today. Kellen Kennedy. Kennedy away today. Cody Jansen has been your studio producer. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. 
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.